And I'm just really honestly so excited for next weekend, our grand opening of our care center. And so be sure to be here. Come early. It's going to be, um, it's just going to be a lot of fun as we, as we uh, really celebrate that. Um, you know, it's been a, a fun weekend around here. Yesterday we had Saturday serve. And so uh, a group was down at the Open Door Mission and they packed nearly a thousand boxes of food. Uh, for people that are going to get this big Thanksgiving box, and it's going to be such an encouragement to them. You know, you just, you, sometimes I think we maybe forget or underestimate the power of getting something that you really want on a very special day. And so the amount of hope and peace that that brings to these families is pretty incredible. So to think about nearly a thousand of those boxes is pretty cool. And then I wanted to mention this. We sent out uh, in our weekly email uh, this week, we told you that we've got about 200 of our middle school students and our high school students that are away this weekend <clears throat> on their annual fall retreat. And uh, I tell you that because we really just want to thank God for what he's doing in the lives of the next generation. Um, it's so important to us as a church. And um, for us to see God doing good things in the lives of the next generation, it's just, it's so significant. And so I would ask you, um, they're going to be finishing up uh, this morning, and so let's be praying uh, for them, even this morning as they kind of have their last session. And, and our prayer is simply this, it's God, would you raise up the greatest generation of faith that the world has yet to ever see? And uh, I say, why not pray a prayer like that, right? Let's pray, God, would you tap the shoulder of a young man or a young woman this weekend, and <clears throat> might, they, might they be some of the greatest people of faith that the generation's ever seen, the world's ever seen. So, Sorry, emotional. What's wrong with me? I don't know. Anyway, it's that next generation, I think. So, but anyway, be praying for them and be great. Hey, I also want to mention, and I uh, just want you to, to uh, be praying for uh, the people in Sutherland Springs, Texas. And uh, we're going to do that in here in just a second. But, you know, our hearts break for that church um, and that city, that community. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine, isn't it, that, that level of a tragedy. And so, um, so we're going to pray uh, for them. And and the reason, you know, we want to do that together is we really believe <clears throat> that God answers prayers. And so we want to pray, just God, would your presence be so real uh, to them this morning. So yeah, would you join me in, and let's do that now. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this morning, Lord. Thank you that we can come into this place and uh, that we can worship you here. And uh, Father, we do pray for this church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. And um, God, we lift this community up to you. Um, as they experienced a tragedy just seven days ago that is beyond what we could imagine. And uh, I think of these families that have lost a loved one. I think of these families that have lost multiple loved ones. And Father, we pray for this entire community. We pray that this morning, even as we pray for them hundreds of miles away, we pray that they would sense that. They would sense the grace and the presence of God and the blessing of God on them. And we pray that they would walk away even from their gathering this morning with a renewed sense of hope that in Christ, Lord, their best days could actually be ahead as a church and as a community, and that so many people would even find you, Lord. And so we just confidently commit them to you today. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's no doubt, and I just want to mention this, mor this, this morning, that an event like that, or even the one you know, that we saw in Charleston, or the one that we saw just a little over a month ago in Las Vegas, when those things happen, uh, I think it's true of all of us. We wonder about the places that we go. Uh, we wonder about our own safety and things like that. And we very intentionally don't draw a lot of attention to this group 
um, but I thought it might be helpful to you. I'm grateful for it, and I actually thought it might be helpful for you to know about it this morning. We don't talk about it from the platform surely ever, um, but I thought it'd be helpful for you to know, particularly this time, um, that we have a security team here at Brookside, and uh, now, now we know this. We know that there's no church, there's no school, there's no shopping mall, there's no environment that is 100% safe. But I will say this, and this is why I'm so grateful for this team, that from our parking lot to this room, to every kid's environment, to our lobby spaces, this security team has not only a presence, but they have plans in place. And uh, as I thought about them and the events of really this last week, I was just so grateful, you know? You just kind of step back and you just, I was just really, I was really grateful. I was grateful that we have a, a team like this that, like myself as a church leader, but like so many others that cares deeply about all the people that walk through our doors week in and week out. It made me very grateful for John Houston and this team because this team proactively is providing uh, really a safe and, and to the best of their ability, a distraction-free environment. And uh, you might not know this, but the amount of ongoing training and the level of care and responsibility that this group operates with, it's actually pretty remarkable. Um, these are volunteers, and they do an excellent, excellent job. So um, I just wanted to uh, take this opportunity on behalf of all of us just to express our appreciation to them and what they, I think, provide for us on this campus and to all, all of us. So would you join me? Let's just thank, thank God for them. Yeah. <clears throat> well, today what we're doing is we're going to be um, switching gears here. We're going to be finishing up our series in the New Testament book of Acts. And I hope that you have enjoyed this series. This morning we're going to finish and we're going to talk about a life situation that everybody faces. Uh, it's one of those situations that, that we all encounter now. It would be nice if there would be an exception to the rule on that, but it's, it's just not the case. Some of you encountered one just this last week, what we're going to be talking about. Some of you have encountered so many recently, you feel like it's a little bit overwhelming and like, hey, well, why am I getting picked on here? What I'm referring to is this. We're going to talk this morning about what it means to face a setback in your life. What does it mean? What do you do when you face a setback? When things things in life seem to be marching along and this is the plan or this is your kid's plan or this is your future's plan and all of a sudden though you face a, a serious setback. What do you do when you encounter those? What do you do when you get a hiccup in the story and you've kind of got the storyline written out but all of a sudden you get nudged off course. Things go sideways and all of a sudden you've got to kind of refigure things out. What do you do in those instances? We've all experienced setbacks. Sometimes we experience a setback because of something dumb that we do. Sometimes we experience uh, a setback because of what someone else does to us. Sometimes we experience a setback and it's because of something completely unavoidable. They come in all shapes, don't they? They come in all sizes. Um, from, from work, you know, maybe at your job you were wanted a promotion, you didn't get the promotion, maybe you got the promotion, and that, that actually became a setback for you in another area of your life. Maybe for you, you'd say, my setback's in the area of my family. Coming up on Thanksgiving, we're about to hit Christmas after that, and I tell you what, stuff happens, right? If you ever think about a time of the year where setbacks in the family become very obvious, it's this time of year. Maybe it's a different relationship in your life. Maybe for you, you'd look at 2017, and you'd say, my setback's been financially. We were going this way, and all of a sudden, whoa, we got a setback. We got to rethink things a little bit. Or maybe for you, it's a dream. You felt like, God, you've impressed something on my heart and my life, and God, you just said, go after that, go after that. 
But it seems like the more you pursue it, and even maybe the more passionately that you've pursued it in your life, the more that you've experienced different setbacks that's caused you to even question things. You ask any person in this room what setbacks they face, and there will be no lack of conversation. We can all relate to it. And so this morning, instead of pretending that we, you know, have it all together and we don't ever have setbacks, we're going to lean into it. Because we've seen throughout the course of this study through the book of Acts that there were setbacks that they encountered as well. And what we're going to see this morning is this, is that oftentimes our setback, and you may have heard this language before, that oftentimes your greatest setback can actually become God's greatest set up. That God can actually take a setback, something that knocked you off course, and God can actually use that as a setup to take you to a place that he often longs for you to be. We can all relate to setbacks. You know, Christine and I, we can look over the course of our lives together and then even before that, and we can say, wow, there have been times where we thought, whoa, this is getting ugly. This is not going to turn out well. And then you just keep moving, right? You keep going forward and you try to keep trusting and you just take one more step. And all of a sudden, if you ever have this happen, that you realize that your setback actually became this incredible gift from God. And God paints a a beautiful picture with it. Um, I'm always amazed. I'm always, honestly, I'm inspired when I I hear the stories of like someone will get cancer in our midst and and they'll they'll be struggling with that. But but in another way, they don't diminish the, um, the magnitude of the problem But in another aspect, they also say things like this. They say, well, I can't believe, though, what I'm learning through this. And honestly, I I don't want to have cancer, but I'm kind of thankful that God brought this trial into my life because I'm actually, it's become a setup for me to experience him in a way that I never would have before. I'm amazed when I hear the stories of a family or a couple or an organization that they got a setback, a big one. But instead of that becoming the last chapter in their story, it becomes the chapter that launches them into an incredibly good future, a breakthrough. And so my prayer this morning is this, as we're going to land in Acts chapter 28. This morning, if you're experiencing a setback, whether it's large or small, my hope for you this morning is that you'll walk out of here with this renewed perspective that you'll be able to see it and maybe you'll be able to go, God, you can take what I feel like is a setback And God, I'm going to trust you that you're actually setting that up for something great. That God, you're actually going to put me in a place where I'm going to see you differently or I'm going to see the situation differently. And God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to use that to actually break through in a way that maybe I would have never hoped for or imagined. And so what we're going to do is, before we get to Acts chapter 28, what I want to do is I want to review with you. I want to step back a little bit and I want to retrace some of the steps that we've taken throughout this book already. Because one of the themes that we see over and over and over in the book of Acts is this. They had setbacks. There were things that came along again and again and again. If you look through the book of Acts, at almost every junction, there's a setback. There's something that wants to inhibit this message of Jesus Christ from spreading and lives being changed. Constantly, they're experiencing setbacks over and over again but what we see is this that there's overcoming that there's this idea that they're persevering that God is the one who continues in the midst of setbacks to move things forward 
And so as we review, and let me just say this, if you're a guest here this morning and you haven't been with us for any of this series, I think this will be helpful to you this morning. You're going to be able to understand, because we're going to hit some of the highlights. I want to review. One, I want you to see the setbacks that we've seen in the book of Acts. But the second reason I want to go back a little bit is, man, we spent a good chunk of time in this book. We started it in February. We took a long break over the summer and a little bit even going into the fall there. And then we kind of kick-started it again. And I don't want us to miss some of these foundational things that we've been learning and that we've been being challenged um, by as a church. And so we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And uh, again, these are some of the high points. We don't want to miss these things. It says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you can think of Acts chapter 1, verse 8 as this is the mission statement of the book of Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So first statement there, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we know this. It would be a huge setback if we received this huge mission from God, but we weren't empowered by the Spirit of God. And so what we see throughout this book and throughout history is that the the Spirit of God empowers people to take his message, and it's not just going to go stay in one place, it's, it's going to go beyond that, it's going to break down the limitation of one location, it's going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and then all the way to the ends of the earth. And so, there are going to be people all across the globe that are hearing the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the message that there was once a time when every one of us, and maybe you're still here today, when you were far from God. And if you had to stand before a holy God, you would have to give an account for your sin, your offense to a holy God, and that would be on you. But the gospel says this, that when I stand before a holy God, I don't need to trust in me, but I can trust in him and Jesus Christ and that he died for my sins and, big and, and that he offers me life with him. It's not just a good deal when I die. It's a good deal right now. That I get to live in relationship with the God that loves me. That I can know him. That he can lead my day. It's a a reality that we lean into. That's the gospel. And what we see right away is that the gospel is going to overcome the barrier of one location. And it's going to spread. And what we see is that at the tip of the spear of the gospel is ordinary people. People like you. People like me. Uh, ordinary people take the gospel from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. Ingrid Kimmins, uh, she grew up here as, a, as a, a, a Brooksider, and she's been in Mongolia the past 15 years. I'm so proud of her. She was a missionary there, and while she was there, she established friendships and relationships with different people. And, and, and get this, she got to tell them about the God that they've never known So while she's there, she's doing that with different people, but she also got to be a part of raising the money to translate the Bible into the Mongolian language. She got to be a part of that, a huge deal. Imagine that. And she said this, as she reflects on her time in Mongolia, those 15 years, she said that the most exciting thing was this, it was seeing that the scriptures translated into that language so that these people can understand the gospel She said, not only was that the most exciting time for me, she said that was the greatest event in their history. But that's how it happens, isn't it? From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to to Mongolia and to the ends of the earth. And that's why we still lean in as a church. And we say we want to help people find and follow Jesus Christ in the city 
but really all the way around the globe. Look at this then. We see this in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 13. So again, what are some of the setbacks that the church faced? Uh, or actually, let's, let's go here first. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We see that the gospel, as it goes into different communities, what does it do? It changes the lives of people. This is how it changed them. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So think about this. You've got people, their roadblock, their setback in life is that they've always identified with something else. But then the gospel comes through and it overcomes that. And you've got people going public saying, I identify with Jesus Christ. It's a huge deal. I mean, imagine that. 3,000 added to their number that day. And then what did they do? Their lives were transformed. They began to devote themselves to, to the scriptures and to the teachings of, of the apostles. Then we get to Acts chapter 4, and again, this message could have stopped because there weren't people that were greatly trained. You didn't have people that were theologically trained to go ahead and spread the gospel to different parts and to different people. Again, the gospel, at the tip of the spear of the gospel advancing, is ordinary people. And so we read this in Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were, here it is, unschooled and ordinary men. That's why we say to you all the time, if you're a teacher, if you're a business owner, if you work anywhere, if you have any neighbors, you're really important to the kingdom, uh, expansion of the kingdom of God. Ordinary and unschooled people, uh, or, uh, un ordinary men, unschooled. And they were astonished, it says. They took note of that. But what was so key? What was so important? It says this, that these men had been with Jesus. These people knew God. These people knew that their lives had been changed by Jesus Christ. And while it could have been a setback that, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trained, I'm not feeling fully equipped to do this, it didn't become a setback. Because again, the Spirit of God was alive and well in them, so the gospel continues to go forward. And then we see this in Acts chapter 4, verse uh, 32. We see some real needs kind of arising. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Now, could there be setbacks to that? Yes. Any organization would have trouble with that. Particularly any church, you know, right along with that. It says, no one claimed uh, that any of their own possessions was their own, but they shared with everyone, uh, everything they had, and with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And it says this, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. They were unified that there were no needy persons among them. So needs arise, and they don't sideline the church. It's not a setback that, that, that sidelined them. It says, um, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them and they, they brought the money uh, from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So things arose. There were needs that the church had. Again, that didn't stop the church, that didn't stop God's movement of the gospel expanding. Instead, that setback, they dealt with it. They rallied around it, and they kept moving forward again and again. We get to Acts chapter 6, and there was a problem, and this problem could have divided the church. This could have been such a big division in the church that it could have been over, could have made the paper. Here's what was happening. The church was growing, and as a result, the load was becoming too heavy for just this small group of apostles. 
And so they had to look at the church and they had to say, okay, who else can help? Who can, who can, carry, who can carry the load? And so it says this then in Acts 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 3. It says, brothers and sisters, uh, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will, here it is, turn this responsibility over to them. And we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. And then look what happened. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and they laid their hands on them. And then here's what happened. So the word of God spread. So again, a real setback. There were Jews and there were Gentiles and, and man, there were some disagreements. Who's being treated well? Who's being treated fairly? All this kind of stuff. But instead of just saying, ah, oh, yeah, no big deal. They dealt with it. It was a setback, but it actually set them up for something much, much greater. We learn from this setback that it takes everyone in the church, doesn't it? I mean, if a church is going to flourish, it takes everyone. I was talking to my dad yesterday, and, and uh, he said, hey, who do you got with you? And I said, oh, I've got, I've got Ashlyn and Easton. And he said, where's Aiden at? Our, he's our oldest son. And I said, oh, he's on the, he's on the retreat. And uh, he's always asking me some questions about that. He said, how many, how many middle schoolers are on that? I said, oh, there's like 100 middle schoolers, 100 high schoolers. And then he said to me, he goes, how many adult leaders have to go to make that happen? And I was like, a lot. I said, 50, you know, like yesterday, this parking lot had 50 cars out in it. You know why? It's because these people, they, they gave a whole weekend to it. But here's, and I just said to him, I, I, said, I said, yeah, dad. He goes, that's amazing, by the way. And I was like, yeah. I said, it just doesn't happen without them. It just doesn't. That could have been a setback that sidelined the church, but people rallied around a need. I love that around here. That's the culture here. It's beautiful. Acts chapter 10 then, we see another setback. Now imagine this one. This one was huge. This, there's a dividing here between cultures. There's a, a huge divide between races. The question on the table is this. Is the grace of Jesus Christ for all Jews and is it for all Gentiles alike? Is God's grace, is the message of the gospel, is it truly for everyone? So in Acts chapter 10 it says this. Peter has this revelation. He stands up and he says, then Peter began to speak. He said, now I, re how, I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And then it happens again in Acts chapter 15. And so we see this again, Peter speaking. He stands up. No, he says, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus, Jesus that we are saved just as they are. He was talking about Gentiles. Now here's the thing. This could have sidelined the church, but instead what we learn from that is this, that God does not show favoritism. That's why we celebrate diversity around here. It's a beautiful picture. And so think about what's happening in the book of Acts. From relationships to race to meeting people's needs to making the gospel clear. Who is it really for? The early church again and again, they experienced setbacks, but instead of them sidelining them, they dealt with the setbacks, and God continues to carry along this church. I mean, everybody think about this. Here we are. We're worshiping together. Things that could have been setbacks, God carries this church along to the place where it is flourishing. To the place where now we look at our city and we say, God, by your grace, we want to see our city changed for you. But we know this. That's going to take God carrying us along. Remember Acts 1.8. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God living inside people like you and like me, that's how the gospel gets expanded. That's how you overcome these setbacks. So now we're going to get into where we're really going to land today. So that's by way of review. Acts chapter 21, here's what happens. And I'm going to take you all the way to 28 real quickly. In Acts chapter 21, the Apostle Paul gets arrested. You could call that a setback, right? But as usual, what happens when Paul gets arrested, it escalates into kind of a citywide affair. Now, this then begins to set the course. It kind of hits the, the play button on a whole different set of trials that the Apostle Paul is going to experience. He's going to be on trial by religious and political officials for his actions of pointing people towards Jesus Christ. And so these court trials dominate chapters 21, you can go back and read it, all the way through chapter 28. And so eventually as Paul gets kind of, you know, bounced around from court to court, he kind of makes his appeal then to Caesar. He kind of bumps it up the ladder. And so when we get to chapter 28, Paul is in Rome. He's making his appeal to Caesar. That's where we find him in Acts chapter 28. He's awaiting Caesar's court. And while he's awaiting Caesar's court, the Apostle Paul, I think you would call this a setback, he's in, he's in jail. He's in this, what they call the, a, a house, he's under house arrest. So he's, he's not free, he's not in horrible circumstances, he's actually surely been in worse. But he doesn't have his freedom. And so we get a snapshot into what this would have looked like for him. In Acts chapter 28, look with me at verse 17, we'll go through 24, it says this. It says, three days later he called together the local Jewish leaders... And when they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. Now, you study the Romans and you're going to realize this. That was a setback for him. It goes on. They examined me and they wanted to release me but I was not, uh, because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected. Major setback for him. So I, I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and to talk with you. He wants to bring together some more leaders here. It is because of, of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. Now, those are important words. He's under house arrest. So think about it. Can you imagine... Always having to stay in your home, which your home is probably nicer than this home. But can you imagine always having to stay in your home and you are chained, physical chain, to a Roman soldier? That's, that's his condition. Verse 21, that's a setback. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. And they arranged then to meet Paul on a certain day. And they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. So imagine these crowds are coming to see him. And then notice what he does though. It says that he witnessed to them. I mean, think about it. He's in the midst of a huge setback. He witnessed to them from morning till evening. 
explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. And some were convinced. Some would have been, hey, I'm in. Put me into that group of 3,000. I want to be baptized. I want to go public with my faith. But then it says this, but others did not believe. Now, one of the themes that we cannot miss is this. We see this again and again, not only in the book of Acts, but surely throughout the life of the apostle Paul. And as you think about your setback, I think this is so important. We see in his life this idea that he had such grit. He had this unwavering tenacity to just keep going. Paul's prison became his platform. Paul's prison became his platform. He looked at his prison as, and you know this. I mean, think about the guy that worked the day shift as Paul's, you know, the guy that's chained to the apostle Paul. That guy heard the the gospel all day. Think about the guy that came in at night. I bet he was like, well, I might as well just become a Christian today because this guy's going to keep talking about this every single day, right? But what happened? The apostle Paul took his setback and he said, okay, God, this is where you put me. God, this is what you gave me. I didn't ask for it. I don't maybe even enjoy it. But God, might this setback become my set up? Lord, might I not look at it and be so discouraged and just so angry and so bitter and just mad at you for the rest of my life? But instead, God, might I say, God, you put me here. God, I'll take a step forward. And God, might you make my prison. You might not be in like a physical prison, but some of you feel like you're in an emotional prison. And you might be able just to say to the Lord this morning, this is my prayer, that you'd say, okay, God, would you take my prison and use it as my platform? I'm amazed that when I hear some of your stories and you're taking the things in your life, instead of giving up on them, you're persevering and you're saying, God, would you use this for a greater good? That's what the Apostle Paul was doing here. You know, this is a, a gift that we got our son uh, a couple years ago, actually several years ago. He was way too young to get this, um, our oldest son, but... He was like half the recommended age, you know, one of those gifts. You're like, Nerf gun, 14? Ah, Easton, you're only seven. Here you go. You know, it was one of those things, right? Um, So anyway, we got him this, and I just hoped that it would turn out right. But you know how a slingshot works, right? The further you pull back, right, what happens? The more power you've got. The further that you pull back, the farther that projectile is going to go. You put a rock in this thing, and, you know, you put a marble in this thing, and look out bunnies, right? I mean, this got some power, doesn't it? And the further that you pull it back, the further that it goes. Think about your life for a second. For some of you, you feel like, God, you've set me back. God, you set me back to here, and I thought it would be over, and then you set me back to here, and then you set me back even further. But instead of saying, I'm going to give up right here, I'm just going to stop right here, what if you said this? What if you said, God, maybe my pullback, maybe the draw on my life right now is actually, God, you're going to set me up for something huge. God, you're going to launch me into something greater than I could have even imagined. God, what if my prison became my platform? God, what if my setback actually became my set up? What if I looked at the draw, the setback, and I said, God, I didn't ask for it, but God, I'll lean into it. You know, people lose jobs. People get uprooted. You know, people experience things each and every week. But what if it's not your last chapter? What if you looked at it and you said, by God's grace, God, would you keep me moving? And God, I'll be faithful to you and I'll take one step forward and I'll just keep moving forward and forward and forward. Notice this. We see this grit all over Paul's life. 
Notice what he experienced. It won't take long on this, but he, this is huge. Paul says, I've worked, this is in 2 Corinthians, he says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. So this wasn't his first rodeo in prison. He says, I've been flogged more severely. You know what flogging is? Look it up later. It's a setback. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. I mean, think it was huge. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. This guy's not like in a paintball fight. I mean, this is, this is huge. This is horrible. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and the day on the open sea. Get your mind around that. I spent the night and the day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, in danger from false beliefs. Like, oh, a lot of danger, right? And then he says this, I have labeled and toiled and I have, not gone, I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have, I have been cold and naked and besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That's interesting, by the way. He's like, in the midst of it all, you know what really, something that else that bothers me? All this physical, 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 physical stuff. I just really care for people. He's saying that. We were talking about this last night. I said, man, the Apostle Paul had a rough life. And then Christina said to me, she said, what do you think he looked like? I mean, seriously. Imagine going through, like, physically. We were out the other night, and, and Ashlyn noticed this guy. He had on a cool cowboy hat, and, I mean, he looked like a, he looked like a cowboy. He looked tough, broad-shouldered guy. And Ashlyn just said, she said, I bet he's a real cowboy, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, here's the thing. Think about this for a second. What did Paul look like? I mean, this guy had been through so much, but what did he do? He kept going. Notice how the book ends. Chapter 28, verse 30 and 31. This is how Acts ends. He says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who came to see him. So in the midst of, if there was ever a time that he could have just sulked, if there's ever a time he could have just said, I've, bring me some good food. I'm in prison. I'm under house arrest. I'm so tired of this. If there was ever a time that he could have complained over and over and over again, this was it. But it says that what? He spreads out the hospitality rug. He welcomes all these people into his home. They come to see him. And then what does he do, though? It's not like, hey, come and see me. Let me tell you about everything I've been through. i got some cool stories. No. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this, with all boldness and without hindrance. There is such an irony here. Paul is so set back in his life, but yet what does God do in the midst of that setback? It is a setup for what? For boldness and for the gospel to go forward without hindrance. And I believe this. I believe that some of you, you have a story that God is writing. And instead of that story wanting to come to kind of a sad chapter, I believe that God wants to take that. And it doesn't matter what I believe. I believe that God believes this about you. And he wants to use that as a setup to make him known and to proclaim his goodness. And for people to look at you and to see your faith and for them to look at you and say, wow, you're, wow I, I, there's something about that. I pray that this morning that you would see your setback as an opportunity. I mean, think about this. The Apostle Paul wrote the books very likely of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Guess where from? House arrest right there. 
I mean, think about those books, church. What a blessing they are to us. I mean, there are, there are people all over the world right this moment that are probably open to some of those books. But do you know where that came from? That came from a time in Paul's life when he was hugely set back. But it was the set up for God to do something incredible through his life. At dinner the other night, our oldest son, he said this. He said, Daddy, he said, I saw this quote today. He said, I knew you would really like it, so I wrote it down. He reached into his pocket. He pulled out this piece of paper. He never does stuff like this. so funny. And then he said to me, he goes, he says, if you want to see the rainbow, you got to deal with the rain. And I was like, bro, that'll preach. I owe you a buck. That's <laughs> some good stuff, right? Look at this. Two last verses I want to lead you to. Philippians chapter 1 says this. Think of Paul's pain. He says, and because of my chains, literal ones, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident, set back to a setup in the Lord, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I bet Paul sometimes looked at his life and he said, you know what? I bet you God gave him enough glimpses that it was going well to just keep going and just to go, yeah, that really hurt. Oh, I still kind of walk with a limp because of that one. But you know what? God, you're doing, boy, those, those believers, man, they're daring all the more to proclaim the gospel. And, and then it, it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, it says, and this, that is why he says, for Christ's sake, he's talking about all of his problems, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. Big statement, for when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, God, then I am strong. For, Lord, when you are really cranking, when I feel like life is pulling me back, Lord, I'm going to realize that in this moment of a lot of tension, God, that's when you're setting me up to launch into something good. Have you ever noticed this, that when you get to that point in your life where you say, God, I am done. I cannot do this anymore. I don't have the answer. I don't know what's wise and then you pray out to God. Have you ever noticed this? That that's when God shows up. There's a couple in our church right now, and they're experiencing uh, in their marriage things that usually lead people to divorce. Okay? That's their situation. But you know what they're doing? They're saying, God, we can't do this. I've been so wronged, and I, I can't get over that. Blah, 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 blah. But they're saying, Lord, would you take this? And what I love about this is that they came to that point and they just said, God, you've got to take this. And now what they're seeing is they're seeing that God is propelling their marriage forward in ways that he never has before. We're not talking about getting back to normal. We're talking about a new normal. We're talking about a setback that caused them to look to God and then God let that be a set up to propel them into a future that they Maybe never even imagined that they could possibly have together. I want to leave you with two questions this morning. Our band's going to come out and, and we're going to sing here in just a minute. But I just want to leave you with these two questions as we close. The first one is this. What setback might you be facing today? Can you name it right away? What is it? What setback might you be facing? And then the next question is this. What might God want to do through it? What might God want to do through it? Whether it's in a family or a child or work or loss or whatever it is, 
what might God want to do through it? What would it be like if to just maybe even church, maybe even just for today, you said, God, I don't know how you would do it, but would you take my setback and would you give me your eyes to see? And Lord, might I begin to see my setback, Lord, as you're set up for something that is even greater than what I could even imagine. And so, God, I I don't even know if you'll do that, but just for today, Lord, I'll trust you, and I'll move forward, and I'll realize, God, that while you're pulling me back, Lord, maybe you're just going to launch me into something even greater. And so as we sing here this morning, I just, I want to give you the opportunity just to kind of have some time with the Lord, and uh, Miranda's going to sing this song, and I would just encourage you, as she does, um, would you maybe, you know, whether your setback is small or large, let's be the kind of people that we just give those to the Lord. So, yeah, let's, let's sing together.